Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little afraid to even start talking here. Hi, I'm, I'm hoping, uh-oh, <clears throat> hoping my voice will um, last <laughs> for the hour, but I know it doesn't sound too good. Um, I found that if I talk up here, <laughs> sometimes it's a little better, but if I'm not, in my normal register, it's um, so. Anyway, I'm I'm still trouble here, guys, and I'll um, try to do the show. Uh, oof. You know, I don't know if it's just me. Have we forgotten how to be sick? I I I, I um, I'm feeling like this is the worst sore throat I've ever had in my life. And I'm wondering, is did you just forget this be the worst, and and how hard it is to get any care? Um, my doctor won't see me, even though I have two negative COVID tests. I'm so confused by all of it, and and I get the impression that they just don't think there's anything they can do for me. <clears throat> but. I don't know. I feel very much abandoned and alone. And I, I guess the worst part of this kind of thing is the nights because you can't sleep. Um, and watching the dog, you know, sleeping so so soundly while while you struggle to just swallow. <laughs> it's I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to try to snap out of it. I hate Joe Manchin. I just, I'm sorry. I know there are those of you who say, I, I don't hate anyone. I don't know the man. <clears throat> I don't care to. I cannot imagine having to with him in this. There was a, a piece in the in the Times today uh, that says this. He doesn't, this is by somebody who knows him very well in West Virginia. He doesn't believe that policy can make a dramatic improvement in people's lives. Well, then why the F is he? In politics, politics is politicians are supposed to do policy. He doesn't believe policy and make a dramatic improvement. How can you not think that? Has Social Security not made a Dramatic improvement has, I mean, you can go on and on and on about things that have been passed by invariably democratic congresses that have made 
lives of people dramatically better. Uh, this woman who is quoted uh, says he has also imbibed the conservative worldview that low-income people are irresponsible and not deserving. Well, there it is, in a nutshell. That is the worldview of Republicans. Uh, it is not a worldview generally held by somebody who calls themselves a Democrat. Um, the idea that low-income people have brought it all on themselves is is so repulsive to me uh, that that is why I can say I hate this guy. I hate this guy. And don't even get me started on cinema. At least with Manchin, you have some sense of why he is where he is. She just loves to be, you know, the uh, enigma in her silly little skirts and dresses and pink wigs. And another quote in this article is this, and and this, I think, uh, is true of so many people in Washington. The most charitable thing one can say about Manchin's position is that he has no sense of urgency. Well, <laughs> we're in trouble. We're in trouble. One guy from one little state can deny the rest of us what apparently is popular in the country. If you ask people, should there be paid leave in America? I mean, huge percentages say yes. And now, I mean, we don't know. They're making the sausage now, maybe. And one of the things that has dribbled out is that even this measly four weeks of paid family leave won't make it in to the bill because of mansion. I, I think I mentioned earlier that four weeks of paid leave uh, initially began when this bill was first was first drafted uh it was 12 weeks mansion had a hissy fit so it was dropped to 4 weeks and it appears that that's going to go down as well it's amazing 
if we were even to pass the four-week family leave law, we would still be one of only six countries in the entire world. Six. And the only rich one without any form of national paid leave. And of, just so you know how how the rest of the world has, has moved on long ago on this issue, it's a no-brainer. And yet in America, the idea of paying somebody to take care of their family uh, and still to be able to retain their job is considered a radical idea communist idea, a socialist idea. Well, I don't think all the nations of the world are socialist or communist. And the minimal, I mean, the minimum that almost every other country has is 12 weeks. That's why initially this bill had set that minimal level. And the average, the average globally, take all the nations of the world and, and throw in us with zero paid leave, average out what paid leave is in, the, in this earth, on this earth. It's 29 weeks. That's the average. 29 weeks. And apparently we can't do four. This says something about us that is so damning. It says something about us. People, as a culture, as a society. It says something about our values. It says something about our capacity for empathy. The more that we learn about us in relation to the rest of the world, the more we find out we are a cruel country. Cruel country. I think people struggle because they're lazy. You know, know, when many nations of the world started offering paid family leave, I'd surprise you, it was 100 years ago. One hundred years ago, 1920, countries around the world started saying, what's a government for? What is it we're to do? Now, in this country, the the answer is build weapons of destruction. 
of mass destruction. That's that's the only thing we never question. Military spending. But as soon as spending has to do with we the people, the little people, children, the elderly, the poor, never any money. All of a sudden, the mansions of the world start freaking out about what is possible. Uh, And they worry about bottom lines. But only when it has to do with legislation that would help regular people. It's... um, It's really just so, so depressing. The reality is we only start freaking out about money and cost when we're talking about legislation that benefits women and children. It has to do with corporations. We're making war. We're always all in. Outrageous. We should hang our heads in shame. A hundred years after many nations of the world said this is what government should be about, helping people in times of need, a hundred years have passed and we still can't muster. A measly four weeks. I believe I have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hi. How you doing, Lynn? Hi. I'm so good. Yeah. Problem with the country, too, is nobody wants to be responsible for anybody else. They say, well, they're going to have to be responsible for themselves. So the whole idea is like, you know, I got mine. I don't care if you get anything. Or this, that's right. My daughter-in-law would say, as a Republican, this, the fittest survive. And that's how she believes, too. It's like, well, that's them. They did that to themselves. And, and they really believe that. Somebody's working in a, no, a dead-end job. They, they chose that lifestyle, which is so wrong thinking. And then, that's, uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I think, and I, I once saw an essay that tied this to to, uh, the racism in our country, that the sense is is that these undeserving poor are overwhelmingly black people. And so even poor white people are willing to forego (laughs) any help because it would also benefit black people. I believe that's true. I think if I was Biden, I would say to Manchin, not listen, Manchin, you got your way this time. But when you get more of a majority, you're going to be insignificant, and you're not going to be the top dog here. And I don't know why they – they should just say to hell with them. You know what I mean? Once to be that way. Because you're giving one guy all that power. I said, I call him President Manchin now. I said, is it President Manchin? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm, and you know what? I hate him too. And – 
I don't care what people say. If I hate, I hate somebody, I hate them. I don't care what they think of that. Yeah, no, he's 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 the dist- the I misery and the dist- I, I can listen. Yeah, to yeah, so you exactly. Can hate people, yes, you can. Hate oh them. yeah, yes, so, righteously, righteously right. hate them. Yeah, thank you. Thank so you. I I don't buy that. I, that comes from religion, which I'm more spiritual than I am religious. So that's a whole different conversation. But uh, yeah, I hate when people say I don't hate anybody. Well, I do, <laughs> and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna hold back <laughs> well, on it. I don't like crews. Okay. I don't like, yeah, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's, it's actually they're criminals. Actually, they're criminals in Congress. Actually, they are just criminals in disguise as politicians or congressmen is what they are. Thieves, murderers. They're killing people yes. with their indifference. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Uh, Delena writes, hearing about the paid family leave not being included in the bill this morning makes me so angry. I don't know. Is this a done deal? They're saying, they're, you know, this is, uh, I guess, what at this point is feared that it's gone. Delena says, if I were to have a baby in the next few months, I wouldn't be eligible for even unpaid family leave because I haven't worked at my job for more than a year. The best I could do is six weeks unpaid. Can you imagine six weeks after pushing out a baby and I would have to drop it off at daycare? A six-week-old child. It's just sick. Pro-life, my ass. You know, um, I mean, the rest of the world, the entire rest of the world looks at us in astonishment and I'm sure disgust, a measure of These are issues that for most of the civilized world were decided as much as a hundred years ago. I remember when I when I adopted I asked if Oh, here's what I want to say before I, I, get, I get personal. First of all, how many people do you think can afford unpaid leave? Hmm? I can. I can. But I ain't the average American. Unpaid leave is an outrage. Because given what American jobs traditionally pay, people live from paycheck to paycheck, and they can no more afford to have even a day without pay, let alone a week or two or three or four. And that's what we've got. Shame on us. Shame on us. 
it's as if the worst of us are constantly winning. I can't bear it. So, yeah, I think uh, don't paid leave. That's what's going to go down because of mansion and cinema. Wow. See, they're millionaires. They don't have to uh, worry about such things. Um, they are responsible, hardworking people, not the lazy bums who work three jobs without benefits. Just uh, keep a roof over their heads and feed their children. A country with this level of cruelty at its political heart is shameful, shameful. Yeah, so, all right, um, speaking of that, um, when I was, in the grocery store last over at the meat counter. Sorry, you vegans and vegetarians. And there were two older women. Black. They were I just heard their conversation. I didn't look to see what cut of meat they were looking at. It doesn't matter. Do you believe this? They said, well, who can afford this? Who can afford this? And I thought to myself, shame, ashamedly, I can't. You want to know what white privilege is? Not having to forego the meal you wanted to make your family. Uh, because the price of the ingredients had gone up by 5% or 10%. Listen to what people are saying in grocery stores now, because it's not the first time I've heard it. People who are living on just a little bit, trying to figure out how they're going to make dinner. And then also this week, I was talking to Joan Mason. 
he was talking about the price of gas, which is high. And he drives a gas guzzling pickup truck. And he said, I just don't think we can afford. He said, I know the price of our work is going to have to go up because these prices, I mean, we can't, we can't absorb these prices. And I'm worried about the midterm elections because of these bread and butter issues. Because if people can't afford to put gas in their car or food on their table, and this is not Biden's fault. He And he went on to say, my boss says it's Biden. He hates Biden. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, it'll be blamed uh, Biden. Not on the pandemic, not on supply chain issues. And these are the kinds of bread and butter issues that take a, take a party down. Especially when that party has promised exactly bread and butter issues. I don't know. Do not know. So when I adopted my son, so this is what, 30 years ago, I asked if I could have like a few weeks off. Because, you know, for the first time mother, he was a little teeny weeny thing. Um. And I was told by the woman charge, a truly horrible human being, by the way. Here's what she said to me. When I had my child, I didn't get any leave. And there's no reason you should either. You haven't even given birth. And I remember saying, it's not about me. It's about the child. Nah, she was having none of it. And then she went on to school me in what really was the issue. There was no real pregnancy leave at WTAE. There was none. There was disability leave. That's what it was. A woman who had just given birth was said to be disabled and thus could keep her job, I can't remember for how many few weeks, unpaid while she tried to get abled again. And because I had not birthed this child, there was absolutely nothing. This is a cruel, 
and a cruel business community. And a country that does not care about children and about families, no matter what politicians say. And by these, I'm talking about the Republicans, by and large. Did you see that one of the fine Republican congressmen from these parts, uh, that'd be Congressman Mike Ketley, um, looks like uh, he's going to be examined by the Ethics Committee of the Congress because of some very unusual purchases made by his wife uh, regarding a steel plant. And it all has to do with inside information that the congressman had. So um, these are vile Brooks and grifters, vile, keep getting reelected. Because people don't pay attention or they don't care. Everyone knew Trump was a grifter, a vile human being. Stop. Didn't stop tens of millions of good Americans. He's our guy. I have any energy. I'm sorry. Um, I came upon something that I found interesting, surprising. Um, I I don't know if you saw that uh, AMC theaters are starting uh, certain locations. Uh, when they show their movies, there's going to be captions. They're going to caption the dialogue. And the reason they give is that so many Americans now regularly watch their televisions with captioning, subtitling on. And also because of the way sound is engineered, Um, often background sounds and and other things can overwhelm uh, dialogue and human speech. Another issue is foreign accents that are not readily understood by many Americans. And so a lot of people said, wow, this is a great idea. But it turns out that increasingly there are people who think that captioning is going to be the norm for all 
our screens for television in general. And we're you can see how we're getting used to it. Sometimes if I'm scrolling around on uh, on Twitter and I come upon a video, rather than listening to it, I, it because it's captioned, and I'll look at the captions for a while to see what's what's being said. Now, if you think that what would be driving this captioning would be old farts like me who are starting to lose their hearing, <laughs> that's not the case. It turns out it's younger people who are used to having more than one thing that they're paying a measure of attention to at the same time. And so young people prefer captioning because it allows them to perhaps listen to something while reading the other. A a poll that was taken three years ago surprisingly came out with 75% of people polled saying they always or very often favored action. But it's it's driven by what's called double screening. So I know when I watch something, let's say my kid comes over and we're watching something on TV together. The captioning is on. I thought. But he's always got his phone in his hand and is also looking at something else because these younger people's brains have been wired differently. I have little doubt that they are not getting, obviously, that, you know, this divided attention is not the same as if you're paying total attention. There's no way something is getting in as clearly. But that's what young people do now. So... I see in this article that uh, parents are absolutely stunned that it's millennials and Gen Z that want the captions. One mother said, my 16-year-old insists on subtitles. And People who study adolescents say that these kids want it because auditory processing is more easily impacted by distraction. So it's better to have writing up and more will be captured. Also, young people have grown up watching Tons of Japanese-made cartoons, anime, and other. They they are totally used and have been used to captions. I guess is Squid Games a biggie now? Is that caption? Probably. Yeah, it's Korean. So they they are used to it. And the other thing that people are saying makes this an inevitability. 
is that young people also grew up with comics. And a television screen with a subtitle or a movie screen with a subtitle is really just a moving comic book. So um, it's going to happen. And it could be soon, if you ever get back to the movies, uh, that you'll be given the option of choosing an open caption screening. And don't think that uh, entertainment uh, moguls are not fully aware of this. So this is a headline in this piece, just flagging it for you so you'll know. Subtitles are the future. And sorry for those of you who hate them, because it's being driven by millennials and Gen Z. They love them. And so all these streaming services that we uh, watch are eventually going to have to come over and, and do it as well. Oh, no, Sandra's. I got so much feedback from the oyster in a slot machine stuff from yesterday. Uh, for those of you who I am sorry I ever brought it up. This came about, if you didn't I'm very quickly try to recap, um, Ava Gardner, the film actress, uh, was quoted in The Week magazine, which is a very, you know, staid magazine. Um as having said about her uh, long-ago uh, fling with a younger Warren Beatty, that it was like an oyster in a slot machine. That it? Yeah, an oyster in a slot machine. And I read that and was so mixed. I thought, what the hell does that mean? So I asked my sister yesterday. She was on. She didn't know, and she's a bullshitter. And I think, didn't she finally come up with something a little bit? And then uh, Mike called in uh, laughing at both of us and uh, told us that it was about, uh, it was obviously sexual. He had his take. But after that, guys, here's some stuff that I've gotten. Oh, gosh, I'm not going to get this one. Um. Number of you actually, you know, started doing. Uh, trying to say here, started doing research that Joan College. Oh, here's here are the ages. Thank you, Joan Col Collins. Oh, it's Joan Collins. It wasn't Ava Gardner. Sorry, that was another anecdote. This is Joan Collins at age twenty-six. Felt having sexual intercourse four or five times a day, good God, with Warren Beatty, who was 22 at the time. What? I don't even know if I can read this. Anyway, this is someone named Ann Althaus, and she says, I'm just going to read it if, if you're 
more squeamish or more uh, puritanical than I. You better uh, cover your ears right now because this is what this one says. An oyster in a slot machine, is it shucked or unshucked? It's fucked, but is it shucked? Seriously, I'm having trouble understanding the simile. He's the slot machine, right? Okay, I'll stop. I'll just read this. She's like the coin you put in the slot, except she's an oyster. Is the shell on or off? Because that would really affect the feeling for the oyster and the slot machine. I'm not getting this whole male-female anatomy of this. Shouldn't the woman be the slot machine? Yeah. And isn't the man, if he's an oyster, presumably shucked and not doing too well sexually? So this woman says, so I Googled like an oyster in a slot machine, and aha, it's an old George Burns joke about an old man having sex. Have you ever tried to put an oyster in a slot machine? Uh, That's it. It is. It's about old, but it doesn't apply to it doesn't apply to these twenty-somethings having. I get it with uh, Warren Beatty. Um, whatever. Three writes, "Hi, Lynn. Living abroad captions are the norm. In Singapore, if the show is in English, captions will be Mandarin and Malayu. Malayu." Sometimes they will put English on the left channel, Mandarin on the right, and captions are Tamil and Malayu. In Dubai, captions were often Arabic and French. Big issue now is the accuracy of the subtitles. Yeah, subtitles and dubbed versions are currently available, and I have done these as a synchronous speaker. Squid Games has come under fire for inaccurate subtitles and dubbing. Netflix has to have so many programs from all over the world. Yeah, exactly. It is, yeah, in this interconnected world where we're all starting to, um, you know, engage and and indulge in uh, film and television that is in another language. Um, Yeah. And apparently, for the younger guys, this is no big deal. Um, Yesterday, uh, Susan and I went berserk about this uh, judge in the upcoming trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, this despicable little kid who is a a hero to uh, murderous white supremacists in the Republican Party. I I just wanted to add that for emphasis. Um, How the judge in the trial... Uh, told the prosecution 
that he would not allow the two men who were killed by this written house um, be called victims, <laughs> which which strikes me as I mean, I, 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 my initial reaction is it, it's ridiculous. Well, they're dead. <laughs> Wouldn't they cannot be called victims because the word is loaded? However, he said that on the other side, the defense attorneys could all the two victims. Oh, excuse me, the two dead guys. They could be called looters and rioters and arsonists. Now, this is. The caveat that Susan and I didn't give you yesterday is if the defense is able to establish evidence that they were engaged in those activities. So in other words, in this trial of Rittenhouse, the two guys he killed are going to be essentially on trial, but not without any ability to defend themselves. They will be on trial. Because in order for the defense to get this murderous little son of a bitch off, they have to claim that these dead men were so threatening to him that he was by law allowed to feel so threatened that he had to defend himself by killing. Uh Another thing, though, that I found is that the prosecution has also tried repeatedly to introduce evidence of Rittenhouse's white supremacist viewpoints, and the judge won't allow it. The fact that he's associated with the Proud Boys Proud Boys from the Insurrection and other venues. And they also, the prosecution, has a cell phone video that was taken weeks before Rittenhouse shot and killed two. And it's a video in which Rittenhouse says he wished he had his rifle so he could shoot men that were leaving a pharmacy. I don't know what that means, that maybe we're had been looting and we're leaving a pharmacy. And the judge would not allow that into evidence that Rittenhouse had said prior to the killings that he wanted to shoot people. So uh, it sure does look like the fixes. And other thing, just to because I went to journalism school and I like to give uh, the whole, the truth and nothing but the truth, uh, says here in a New York Times article that this judge, whose name, by the way, is Bruce Schrader, uh, has been on the bench for a long time, and he has a long-standing rule in his uh, court 
that in criminal cases, the word victim may not be used before the jury. When you're you're referencing those that are injured or killed, you cannot use the word victim in any trial in this judge's court because he finds it prejudicial. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Just a few odds and ends. Let me get this stuff in since time is running out a little bit on us. I did not. I used to get the Wall Street Journal and then I... I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Or the editorial page just made me insane. So I don't get it. As, I mean, in terms of news gathering, they had often done a pretty good job. But uh, Murdoch owns it now, doesn't he? Did I dream that? Ever. Apparently, the Wall Street Journal, I don't know, was today or yesterday, printed a letter, letter to the editor from one Donald Trump. Now, as we know, poor Donnie has had his favorite platform, Twitter, in a way. And so to get his message out, he's got a, you know, he's struggling a little bit. Well, damn if the Wall Street Journal didn't come to his aid and said, you just write yourself a letter to the editor and we'll print it. And they did. Now, here's the thing. The letter was filled with total falsehoods about the election. Twenty. Election, Pennsylvania, and apparently I haven't seen the letter. Apparently, the letter calls for an Arizona-like audit of all the scurrilous, fraudulent voting that occurred here in Pennsylvania. Even though, as we know, that that simply didn't happen, and in fact, the only voter fraud that has been uncovered is that of Republicans attempting to vote twice or vote for their, using their dead dead relatives to vote for Trump. But that the Wall Street Journal would allow this is, I, I find that chilling. Because one would think that a, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What I saw was, a, uh, again, this was on Twitter, um, a guy who is a, a councilman, I think, in Philly, um, who has been on the receiving end of unbelievable threats to his life and his livelihood because he helped oversee the election uh, there. And uh, 
he was sharing some of the emails, letters, and other misses he's gotten from the Trump people, Trump supporters. And my God, uh, he's literally threatened with being killed. They tell him that uh, you know they know they know where he lives. They put they put his uh, address down, and they say the bullets will be arriving at blah blah blah. And watch your back. This is not going to. And this is what's happening to not only school board officials, but to voting officials all over the country. Now he this guy had a word for it, had two words for it. He called what is happening to him and what is happening in a lot of these school boards now. He called it domestic terrorism. And you know what? Exactly what it is. We know it's domestic. It's right here. And we know it's terrorism because... It has no other reason for being than to terrorize and intimidate and ideally force people out of office. So this is why when I'm always being so negative, this is spreading it's around here locally in school boards. We see that, right? Mostly in suburban areas and rural areas. It's the Trumpers trying to terrorize people who are simply trying to do the thankless task of overseeing our schools or overseeing our elections. And the reason they are being subjected to this terror and intimidation is because they're on the wrong side. Big lies. They're on the wrong side of the big lie about critical race theory. They're on the wrong side of the big lie of voter fraud and an election stolen. And so it's not just the guys on January 6th storming the Capitol. It's your neighbors all over the country now storming school board meetings and storming other political institutions in an attempt to intimidate, terrorize, destabilize, and again, ideally, push the civic-minded folks who sit in these positions out so that they can take them over and do what, well, needs to be done. So when I say the insurrection is ongoing, I mean that literally. The insurrection 
the threat of violence is ongoing. It is something that we are getting used to, right? The stories are piling up. The videos are piling up. And this is not like grassroots people just coming out of their own kitchens and deciding. This is a choreographed affair underwritten by big money in an effort to kill this democracy so that the capitalists and the fascists own it. The insurrection happening every day. The terrorists it be the guy standing behind you in the supermarket. They are our neighbors. They sit in the legislature in Harrisburg. A lot of them. A lot of them. They sit in the Congress of the United States. They sit in governor's state houses, and they're working in concert. And if you don't see it because our media is too craven, point it out, keeps trying to cover all of this as if it's business as usual. As I have said often, we're fucked. Really. And what did I say that this woman said about Manchin? The thing about him that drove her crazy is that he has no sense of urgency. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us have no sense of urgency. And we don't see what's happening in front of our very eyes. Is that what that phrase? I never understood that phrase. Can't see the forest for the trees. I think that's what it is. And this sense of being overwhelmed by so much that is going wrong. But keep your eye on the fact, the one fact that so many of these things that are happening can be bundled up together. And you can bundle them up under that heading, domestic terrorism. Because that is the intent of terrorism. Intimidate, to terrify, and by doing so, grab power. We are living in a constant state of domestic terrorism and the purveyors of it belong to one party. Republican Party. And it's frightening. 
Okay, on that happy note, I'm going to take my ravaged throat. Dear God, when is this going to stop? I forgot. Do these things last for weeks? If it does, I'm gonna, I can't take it. Okay, I'll shut up. It's awful. Thank you for letting me um, croak in your ears for an hour because it's an hour I, I didn't obsess on it quite as much. <laughs> Thank you. All righty. Have a good one. And uh, I'll either be back or dead by Monday. Okay? Oodaloo. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.